Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you, my friend? How are you, my friend? Welcome. This is the Breakfast with Champions podcast, one of the most unique, amazing, and powerful podcasts you'll ever come across in your entire life. Listen, we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration, and ultimately give you an opportunity to get a seat at the table, to hang out with some of those that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. What makes this podcast so unique and incredible is we have over a hundred different thought leaders that are constantly delivering amazing, over-the-top, powerful, and impactful content in bite-sized nuggets that you can absorb, take action on, and implement in your life. So with that said, make sure you filter through. There's going to be some of these thought leaders, these experts in their industries that you're ultimately gonna connect with. You're gonna totally, totally resonate. It's gonna totally be your vibe. And then there's gonna be other ones that you're gonna be like, eh, you know what? I like them, but I don't know if I love them. And that's what's great about Breakfast with Champions is we have something for everyone. So make sure you sift through, find the ones that you love, and know that they'll be coming back every single week to be able to deliver to you the motivation and education and inspiration that you need. With that said, my name is Glenn Lundy. I am your host. Super excited to connect with you. And let's kick off today's episode of Breakfast with Champions. Thank you so much. You know, you can, you are so energizing. And, and, you know, as you said, my background comes out of television. And that's one of the things that producers are, are always saying to guests, pump up the energy. They would not have to say that to you, Alexander. You are just brimming with it. And it's so contagious, everybody. Energy is infectious. It is contagious. And that is one of the best ways to attract people to listen to you. So I am very excited about this segment today. Because I've been taking a long look, and it, this is actually from one of my speeches, and it's also from one of our, our, pro, our processes for coaching our clients, and, and whether it's speaking or entrepreneurship. And I do want to talk about criticism because I've heard so many people on this app talk about their early stories and stories that almost stopped them and, and adversities that they've overcome. And so much of it comes from criticism. And criticism really was two lessons that I learned one, as early as an 11-year-old girl, my mother, I was begging her. And whether you have children or not, we were all kids once. And you know how kids are when they want something. I was begging my mother to let me wear hose, not anklets. I wanted to wear hose like the big girls wore. And she kept saying, Jude, you're, you're too skinny. Your legs are too skinny. They're not shaped yet. You're not ready for hose. But I was relentless. And so mother finally gave in. And I went to a little party with some of my friends and I saw a girl with skinny legs just like mine and she looked awful. And I came home and told my mother, I said, mother, you were right. And then I realized something, which I would tell her later, that criticism matters when the person who is doing the criticizing matters to you. If not, it's just someone else who's a critic who's maybe having a bad hair day every day. And I told my mother later, I said, mother, I listened to you when you criticized me. And this was throughout our whole life because I said, you praise me so much that when you criticize, I listen. And so that's important. And then when I went in television, I, I was I wanted to learn everything, by the way. I didn't want to just be the talent out in front of the cameras. I wanted to learn how the director worked, how the producers worked, how the writers worked, production meetings, all of the above. 
And so I went into the control booth before I went on air in Los Angeles for the first time. And of course, the control booth, if you've ever been in one, it's pretty hectic in there. There's producers, directors, stories coming in last minute, a thousand monitors, it seemed like at the time, and everybody talking and lots of things that were just going on all the time. And I, I, I was watching all this and I was captivated by it. And, and then I heard the criticisms. Why did he say that? Why is she wearing that dress? Oh, that's so stupid. And I realized that in a few minutes, I would be out there in front of the cameras and they would be talking about me the same way. And then flash forward, I realized that a lot of some of those very same people wanted to be the talent in front of the cameras and they weren't. And I've also learned that many people who want to do what you are doing or what I am doing or, or any of us are doing, it's because they can't. Many, TV, many uh, film critics wanted to be actors, and it didn't work out, so they became critics. So my lesson here about criticism is that there's not one celebrity, there's not one CEO, there isn't one person I have ever met, interviewed, interacted with who has not received criticism. And, and, and Barbara is joining us right now, Barbara in the red dress, and I'm so happy that she is here with us today because Barbara also received some criticism and I'm going to ask you this question, Barbara. You, if for anyone who doesn't know, can you just give us the abbreviated version of the criticism you received when you wanted to go on television? Barbara, welcome. Great to see you, my friend, and thank you for being here. And by the way, Barbara and I have had interviews on, on Clubhouse before, and she was one of my first friends. So, Barbara, I'm just thrilled you're with us today. Jude, so good to see you hosting in one of these rooms. And just flash your mic if my go into a bad cell zone because I am driving through Prince. I'm not driving. I I am in the back of the uh being safe. But if I go through a dead cell zone, it'll just be for one, uh, it'll be about for 30 seconds. Um, you know, for me, and I think you're referring to the email that I got in the middle of my, uh, you know, my exploration into television. And, you know, it really, listen, I was 42 years old. I think there's a hot mic, which is usually my jam. Um, hey, Paul, I'm just going to mute you. <laughs> Thank you. So when, um, for those who don't know, when in my 40s, in my early 40s, I got diagnosed with a late stage cancer. And I wasn't battling the cancer as much as I battled chemo, uh, really knocked me sideways. And in the middle of my treatments, I really came face to face with my mortality because I was bumping against, a, I had 12 infusions and I was bumping up maybe around eight or nine. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't have this. And I kind of reflected on all the things I was really proud of, but I took stock of all the things that I never even bothered to pursue. The action, the initiatives that I never took initiatives towards, like though I wanted to do what I dreamt of doing, but I did zero to actually move in that trajectory into that lane. And I made a vow that if I survived chemo, and I'm gonna say survived chemo because that was the real doozy, I would never play small again. And I always wanted to be on TV. As you can see, I made it through those 12 rounds of chemo by the skin of my teeth, ladies and gentlemen. And I decided I was going to go for TV. I always wanted to be on TV. I dreamed of being on TV. And Regis Philbin, Philbin, I remember reading that he didn't launch his career until he was in his 40s. I remember saying, if Regis can do it, so can I. And hired a media trainer. I started taking that action. So information doesn't lead to transformation. Action does. Hired a media trainer. And my first booking was actually on the Today Show. Um, 
So, and uh, I think you want me to get to the point where somebody tried to knock me off my, knock yeah, me off my exactly, issues. exactly. Because we're gonna, yeah, we're focused on this criticism because criticism is a well. What what did you say to your critics? Uh, she might be in that zone that she was talking and, about. Oh, sorry. Did I go into? Yep. Yeah. Give. Yep, darling, you did. Okay, listen. Pop back in a minute. I'm gonna say something about Regis because you just men mentioned him. Here's the thing, everybody, about criticism, and I do feel that, and I, gosh, I talk so much about this in our entrepreneurial coaching programs, but getting clear on what you want. What do you want? Not what do you think you want, but what do you want? And sometimes that desire to set you on fire so that you can handle criticisms or any other objections. And, and sometimes other people see your great talents in you that you have never even considered. That helps give you confidence, which is our next topic after we finish with critics. But Regis Philbin's producer, I was in public relations first, and Regis Philbin's producer said to me, came up to me one day, got right in my face and said, you belong in front of the television cameras, not your clients. And she spun around and walked away. I called her the next day and said, can we have lunch? Long story short, she gave me an audition. Regis had a co-host, but she said, you are ready for television. My gosh, what confidence that gave, but it wasn't anything I thought of myself. She saw that in me. I had taken acting classes when I first came out to LA. And that was the first time I met my, my very first celebrity. And she was, her, her days of television were long gone. You have a tremendous opportunity to reinvent your dealership today, right now, and to not take advantage of it would mean that everything that you just went through and are going through was in vain. How about instead we build something new like Kevin did in Virginia who was up 37% in April or Mike in Wyoming who was up 90% in April or Bob in Kentucky who broke a 60 year record this past January. All of these dealers joined the 800% club and together we continue to win. Listen, I've done this before. I've helped build a monster dealership from the inside out and now I want to build one with you, you and your team deserve it. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. But her legend lives on today, and it was the one and only Lucille Ball. And and my gosh, I'd never met a star before, and I was a teenager, and and she was talking to these young, hopeful actors. And then she talked about the criticism she received during her career. And she, she was at the time of I Love Lucy. She was rated and called often by the critics a B-grade actor. And yet, when she took on the role of, of I Love Lucy and stood up to CBS for so many areas of what she wanted to have happen on that show, she not only became a hit during that, during that, I think it was in the 50s, 60s, but now 50, 55, 60 years later, I Love Lucy is still in reruns. Nielsen ratings, when they ran an, an, an I Love Lucy schedule, a, a special, I think it was 19, 2018 or 19, it won the Nielsen ratings and she's still on television. And she became the first woman to, to run a television studio. I mean, it's phenomenal what happens when you don't listen to your critics. And I will say there's a cliche about we are all our own worst critics. Ah, not so fast. Because I think sometimes it does us really a favor to listen to our own criticisms. 
Because sometimes we say, I know I can do better. I know I can change that. I know I can take that to another level. So everybody else might be singing your praises, but when you say, hey, I can make this an improvement. So the people who are your friends, your fans, if they offer a criticism that's going to be helpful to you, take it. And I remembered when I was at my, my live TV show, I got called in on a Friday with the, with the general manager and the program director, which is you know not really a good sign. And they sat me down and said, hey, Jude, you know, we're not criticizing you. We just want you to be aware that you have a face that doesn't lie. And they said, when a guest is lying to you, which in fact is to your audience, you don't say it, but your face does. We just want you to be aware of it. That was such a great moment of criticism for me, even though they didn't mean it that way, they said, but they didn't want me to be aware of it. I started watching my, my own work, and I thought, you know, I'm going to be like those negotiators and not give so much away in my face, uh, especially when it's not flattering to the guest. And so, anyway, that's just another lesson. Barbara, are you back? Because if you are, I want you to, laugh. I want you to just mention how you, how you responded to your critics in those early days. Are you in a zone you can talk? Uh, maybe not. Yeah, there she is. Uh, no. Okay. You hear me if not. Oops, not hearing you. Not hearing you. Okay. So let's just talk about who your critics might be. It might be your partner. It might be your partners in business. It might be your parents. It might be your coworkers, your friends. And those of you who are parents, I, I am not. And I think it's the most important role that anyone will ever have in life. But the words, and Fonzo was just talking about words, the word choices that we use to say to our children and to ourselves, the language we use, are we talking in positives or are we talking in negatives? Are we complaining? Do we keep using the same words that I call distraction words? They take away from us. Those words will become your reality. So if you're always complaining, that's the state that you live in. And, and criticism is enough when people criticize you, when parents criticize their children. Now, sure, parents, you know, your role is to help your children grow and, and help them, them blossom. And so, so yes, you've got to help them. You've got to help them eliminate the, the, the habits and the distractions that are, that are taken away from who they are going to become. But it, it is, is it a role to use positive language with our children as much as possible? And I liken it if you were driving down the freeway or the expressway and your friend misses the off-ramp, would you say to that friend, oh, that's so stupid? No, but I have said it to myself. How could I have done that? How did I miss that? Oh, that's so stupid. But you wouldn't say it to someone else. So the language that we use can become our reality. And it's not necessarily only on a stage. It is in every interaction we have about communication. So Barb, if you're here, chime in. If you're not, I'm going to keep going. I know she's here. She just doesn't have a good connection. She's somewhere uh, where she doesn't have a great connection. Hey, Alexander, are you still with us? Because I wanted to know, I know you've talked about criticism before. And, and, and Alexander, by the way, I've had the opportunity to interview him. And, he, and he's always got such great comments. So I'd like you to chime in on how criticism has affected your life. You know, it's it, absolutely, Jude. Thank you so much for the compliments. And I'm so sad not to hear what Barbara has to share because she's so phenomenal. But I'll tell you this. You know, you started off with actually complimenting my energy, and believe it or not, that's oftentimes in my life been one of the things that I'm criticized over. I'm told I'm too loud, 
I'm too flamboyant. I just let my freak flag fly. I am who I am 100% of the time, always. And for a long time, I wasn't. For a long time, I catered who I was because I was so afraid of not being liked, so afraid of not being received or accepted. You know, and, and funny when Fanzo was even speaking about how his mind works with the audience and how, like, I, that's me because I know that I'm a lot. And so what I ended up realizing is that oftentimes the things in our lives that we think are the brake pedals that are going to stop us from halting, that, that halt us from actually achieving all that we are meant to achieve can really be our gas pedal, can be the pedal that propels us to our future. And so when I realized that the criticism wasn't coming from a place of, of love or a place of constructive criticism, but rather a place of judgment or a place of jealousy even, I said, hey, being me is the best thing that I can be and being authentically who I am and showing up authentically as Alexander the Great Gonzalez, even when I don't feel as if I'm the great at all times, but creating that persona and allowing my energy to flow and my focus to flow in that direction because where focus flows, energy goes, I slowly and every single day step more and more into that avatar of Alexander the Great. I love that you said, uh, and I actually wrote it down right here, that our, the language we use will determine our reality. So when I receive those criticisms, when I receive those comments that sometimes were hurtful, I, I made sure that I have thick skin like a rhino and realizing that I'm not here for those people. I'm here for the impact that God placed me on this earth to have. And God made me in his image just as I am. And if I'm made perfectly in his image, then no one else's opinion of me matters. And I will be able to do the work that I have been called to do on this earth if I'm able to more so step into authentically Alexander the Great Gonzalez. I yield the mic to you, friend. I love the word great. I mean, I remember early on, somebody referred to, and someone still did the other day to me. They said, Jude, you use the word great more often than that uh, Tony the Tiger. It was a TV commercial back in, I don't know when, about cereal or something. But, you know, I do love the word great. And I, then, of course, that makes me think of Muhammad Ali. You know, I am the greatest. And I just watched a story about him just, just um, last week on CBS Sunday Morning News. And, it, gosh, I mean, it, and he believed it. And it's not that he didn't have his critics as well, by the way. And Oprah, you know, you were talking about Oprah, uh, that it, Oprah was so, I mean, she was amazing. But do you know that early in her career, she came along in the days of the spelt, the thin, the blonde newscaster, TV personality. Oprah was none of the above. In fact, when she was fired from her first TV job or one of her TV jobs early on, they said, you're not fit for TV. We wouldn't be talking about Oprah today if she had listened to those critics. Oprah knew what she was, who she was, what she wanted to accomplish, and then she figured out how she was going to do it. And now those critics, we can't remember who they are, but we know that Oprah took all those billions right to the bank and she made a phenomenon, a phenomenal difference in our culture. And to this day, we will have conversations. We will not probably see the likes of another Oprah Winfrey anytime soon she did not listen to her critics and I don't know uh, if you can see I, I think that diamond uh, uh, 
joined us, I'd like to have you bring her up if you could, Alexandra, because I want to talk about my next point. And I got you. As well, if she'd like to come up, uh, Christy Bus, she's in the audience, uh, so she can come up. But but here's my point: is that you know in TV they send out these talent people to look at to look at the talent, they're talent consultants, and they look at people, and they and they would get to me, you know, the the, the talent on the, on the air. They would look, they'd come to me, and they would say, oh, I don't think I'd do anything to change her. I think that I maybe would have her cut her hair. And I listened to them, and I was looking for feedback. I mean, these were the pros. So I was looking for feedback. Well, I didn't get it. And so I started looking at my own work and I thought, ah, I can improve her. And it was just the way I would do body language. It would be the way that I would I mean, sitting at an anchor desk and the way I might tilt my head. They really didn't look so great. And or the way that I would be out in the field doing a story and I had the habit of putting my hands on my hip and I looked like one of those uh, linebackers or quarterbackers, whatever they look like. They just, I look like I had a lot of shoulders <laughs> and I'm not. And, and I started looking at that and I thought, I can make this better. And so I, I think when you say self, self-critics, self yes, we can be overly critical of ourselves. And, and as a coach, this is what you want to do when we're coaching someone for speaking or we're coaching an executive to talk to the media. We want to help them, yes, be their authentic selves and then get rid of the distractions that take away from your message or your impact or the results that you want to produce. So I, I, if Barb is here, we're going to stay in, and I'm going to let her finish up if she's here and can hear us. Uh, flash your mic, Barb, if you can, because I'd like to hear your comment on how you handled your criticisms before we move on. Yeah, thanks. And sorry about that, everybody. Uh, just going, you know, the weather's pretty rough here. So for me, the critics are there to really build you, not break you. And if they break you, it's it's just you, you've got to build those muscles. And, you know, by building those muscles, um, you are better able to handle adversity going forward. Uh, and it's just like anything else, like you want to get build stronger, you know, you want to go to the gym, you want to get stronger, you want to get more flexible, you have to actually break them down. And the best part about getting, you know, having these critics, having these people kind of come at you is that each time you get back up and they don't break you, but they build you, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. And I feel that I am at a point, and I feel like any critics that have come at me, and I don't know if you feel this way, Jude, it's like I now have this reserve of muscle that you can come at me with whatever you've got. I am unbreakable. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know why I'm going there. And I know I am of great character. So when people come at me, I can draw upon these muscles of resiliency, perseverance, tenacity, and my purpose over and over again. So I'm grateful for my critics. I'm grateful that they tried to break me down because what they ended up doing is they built me stronger, better, more resilient than I was in the first place. What about you? What do you, how do you feel about uh, your critics? Well, you know, as I said, and I think you were, you, you'd cut out there because of the weather, but, but I said, I think criticism matters when the person who is giving you, offering you the critique is looking out for your well-being, and that they matter to you. And, and then, you know, I study so much, uh, Barb and, and, and Alexander, never know who's listening. I study so much all the greats that that went before I ever had it could spell television. And and what Barbara Walters did in, in, in news and what she did with the Today Show and going from the weather girl or the Today Girl, I think they called her, not weather girl, but Today Girl, and, and then to becoming the phenomenon that she did. I, I studied all of these these great uh, newscasters and talk show hosts and, and, and Regis. You know, you mentioned Regis starting later in the career and then his career, and then he was really severely criticized uh, early on in his career and had like a five-year hiatus. But the point is, he came back and he came back and he came back. And so 
I know, you know, I have, and you probably do too, Barbara, um, and probably all of us do. I We were going through files this last week, and one of my girlfriends came over to help me uh, go through some files, and we came up with stacks and stacks and stacks of testimonials, and then we have video testimonials. And I started reading these, and I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, if praise paid, you know, I'd be up with Oprah with women with those billions. So you, 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 you said something really critical. You have to develop the muscle, and it is not just a cliché. I will say this to you. Anytime you do anything that separates yourself from the norm, from people who would like to be doing what you're doing but can't or won't, you set yourself up for criticism. And you have to be able, as Barb said, develop the muscle and remember only the strong survive. And my minister, Mark Brewer, he said it best in a sermon one day. If you cannot take criticism, do not bother getting out of bed in the morning. And so I will say to you, anyone, we talked about Oprah, Elvis Presley, you know, I, Elvis, I was able to meet Elvis. And, and to me, he just, I have a huge picture of, of Elvis in my studio, my home studio here, because Elvis was so original and, and he got criticized for his long sideburns and his, his shaky legs and whatever else. And, and, and his, one of his first early appearances was at the Grand Old Opry in Nashville. Elvis was not a country singer balladeer like they'd been used to. They criticized him and even told him, go back to driving a truck. Elvis today is the most imitated personality in our times. He made more money, is making more money in his passing than he did in his career. He shaped the lives of music culture. He shaped the lives of the Beatles and people who came after him. So I guess I'm going to wrap this up because I want to move on to confidence. But I think we made it pretty clear. Your inner critic can be strong for you. Just don't let it take you down. Let you learn from it, grow from it. Take the criticisms in of people who are looking out for your well-being and I will leave you with this thought before we leave criticism. And, and you probably know this, but Abraham Lincoln had so many failures and so many criticisms and critics. Even the Gettysburg Address was criticized. Today, and probably even more, but the last time I looked, researched, more than 15,000 books have been written about this president. So my, my final word here is let's take it from Sally Jesse Raphael. I studied her. She was a talk show host for any of you youngins, as Oprah would call you. And I studied her and I watched her. And more than that, I was so fascinated by this woman's history and her journey. Sally Jesse Raphael was fired 17, that's one seven times, before she hit. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that I would have thought, hey, the universe is trying to sell me something. I better do something else with my life and my career. Sally didn't. She persevered. And she, her career was over. I mean, her TV career, and she was doing some other things. But I got to interview her towards the end of her career out here in Los Angeles. And I was just, I mean, here she was, this legend. She won daytime Emmys for her work. And I'd read her story about how many times she was fired. And I, I, I sat down with her in that chair and I had my questions all poised and I was with a with a co-host and he said Jude I'm going to let you take this from here because Sally and I just really clicked and and so I asked her the question I said Sally how did you do that I said I read somewhere in this research that you were the girl in school who never got asked out 
And then you went on to win daytime Emmys and you were fired 17 times. What kept you going? Why didn't you quit? And she said, well, first of all, I had the attitude, hmm, I'll show them. And then she said, I had the confidence in myself to know that I would do this. And that lesson, everyone, has stayed with me my whole life from the time I learned it from Sally Jesse Raphael. So let's move into confidence. We all hear about confidence, how we have confidence in ourselves, where confidence can take us. I am the greatest, Muhammad Ali. Uh, I will survive. Any of us who have survived, as, as Barbara has, a, a tragic, what, what could have been a tragic illness and set her back, didn't. Let's talk about what confidence is. And I want to talk about confidence eroders first. Because confidence eroders, yes, listening to your critics that are not looking out for you and to help you grow and learn and be the best that are adding to your life, yes. But another confidence eroder is not doing what we say we're going to do, not being accountable to ourselves, procrastination. These are all confidence eroders. I'll get to it someday. If you're really clear on your what and the desire is so strong, your confidence will be there. Confidence builders, keeping your word, being around people who are positive, eliminating the negative language, uh, listen to your compliments and pay attention to them and not just say thank you. Think about what people are really saying to you. They're seeing these things that you may not see. So focusing on the positives about yourself and listening to that inner voice of yours that says, like Sally, Jesse, Raphael, I know I can do this. I know I will do this. Those are confidence builders. And, and Tony Robbins said that success builds success. Take advantage of every time you succeed at something you really want to do. Take advantage of the people who are pouring into you to say, hey, I see this in you. Uh, when, when Regis Philbin's producer said that to me, I could have thought, you know, I, I took acting. I, I didn't really, really like acting. I liked TV commercials, the residual income from it. I, I turned down the first play I read. Acting was not going to do it for me. But being myself in front of a live audience, now that was very appealing. So listen to the people who see things in you that you don't see. And then step by step by step, every time you get on that stage, every time you get in front of an audience, every time you get the opportunity to show what you can do, whether it's in a, a board meeting or it's on a stage or it's in front of a television camera or a media interview, take that opportunity and keep building on those wins because that's what builds confidence. And I'd love to hear anyone else weigh in on that. Uh, anybody just raise your hand. Barb, if you want to, or Diamond, I know you're with us about confidence factor. Do you have anything you'd like to add to that? I'm so glad when Diamond's here in the room. I don't know if she's still there with us. Are you here, Diamond? Oh, there she is. Could you add on the confidence factor? Nice to see you. Thanks for joining us today, Diamond. This is Diamond, and thank you so much, Jude. And I love being here to hear all of your nuggets of wisdom. I mean, wow, you're dropping so many gems. And you're absolutely right about the importance of confidence. Confidence does a lot of great things for us. First of all, it puts you in the right mindset to really be able to believe in yourself in order to achieve your goals. And I heard you talking about criticism. And when you have confidence, that puts you in the frame to be able to adequately receive that information and to also be able to discern when it's actually constructive criticism 
or when it's destructive criticism. So I definitely agree with you. It's so important that we have confidence in ourselves, in our skills, in our abilities, and really with our deeper level why, because that's what's going to be the fuel that fired you regardless of whatever challenges you encounter on your journey. Thank you so much, Ju, for having me here. Loving this discussion. This is Diamond and I'm complete. Thank you, Diamond, for being here. I'm always so glad to see you. And there's another one, Alexandra, that energy just, it just pops right through, doesn't it? And so <laughs> that's great. Um, and I, I want to also talk a bit about confidence in terms of starting. You're not getting anywhere, none of us, unless we start. And, and you will not be perfect when you start. And it's just like at the beginning of the year and you say, I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to make more money. You know, obviously clarity, what you want, getting specifics, that's going to help your goals, writing them down. We've, we've heard these things before. But starting, and even if you miss, and believe me, not every time every speaker steps on a stage do they get the standing ovation that they're looking for. And and we all have reaching that one person. We, we, you know, we hope that that happens every time. To me, that's the win. Uh, that's the win about confidence. I was giving a speech. This wasn't a huge audience, maybe 600 people or so. And I was talking about celebrity and you and, and star power and, and you. And that star power and you and star power and you. And, and I gave the speech. And, and as you know, when you get off the stage, a lot of people around want to talk to you. And this one woman kind of stood off to the side. And, and I knew she had something to say, but she didn't seem to be brave enough to, to kind of get through the crowd. And so finally, I said to her, as the cloud was starting to, to um, wind down a bit, I said, is there something you wanted to ask or say? And she said, I'll wait. And then everybody was gone. And I said, okay. And she softly said, you know, you were talking just to me today. Because today, you gave me confidence to pursue getting my second, I think she was going for a master's, my degree. She said, my husband has been telling me, you won't do this, you can't do this, You're too, it's too late in your life, it's not gonna happen, you've got kids, you can't do this. And she said, but you gave me confidence today that I can do this and I am going to do this. Now we all know, as motivational speakers, we don't give confidence, we don't give anyone the work that they need to do we are there to inspire to motivate to help them believe that they can and then by this time she really had tears in her eyes and by the way p.s so did i but i thought that one person maybe today this talk made a difference to one person confidence you instill confidence in your children you instill confidence in yourself by celebrating any win that you make and the more that you do it, the more that you keep your word, the more that you let go of bad habits. One of the things that gives me confidence, one of the things that gives me confidence is when I am well rested, when I am well prepared, when I know what I want to say and how I want my day to go and my attitude is so good and I've started my day focused and centered in prayer. And, and But the days that I don't get enough sleep and I've been troubled over something or I'm worried about something, I said to you earlier, it's a journey. Confidence is not where you arrive. It is a journey. But I know the areas that help me, that help me keep my confidence strong, trying. Okay, so maybe I didn't ace it today. But you know what? I will next time. And I learned this from a little child. 
I was doing a three-part series on children and television commercials, and I was interviewing casting directors and, and, and kids. And this one family had three children, and all of their three children's educations had been paid for already, college educations, because of their work in commercials. And so I said to the 12-year-old, I said, so what happens? I said, what happens when you go out and you tell your friends, I'm up for this TV commercial. I've been, I've been auditioning, and I'm up for this TV commercial. And then you don't get it. What happens then? He said, well, and he shrugged his shoulders, I just go out and get the next one. 12 years old, that kind of confidence. And I learned that lesson. There are so many lessons to learn. Anyone else want to chime in about this? I don't know if David's still on stage with us. David, about confidence. I don't know. He may, he may have stepped out away for a minute. Anybody else want to talk about confidence? I'd like to hear your take on it. I would like to chime in. Um, my name is Winifred. I'm right at the bottom, I think. Hi, Winifred. Well, I, hi. I, do, I, I work with youth, and um, I'm really fascinated about um just different types of confidence I see and um, just working with uh, a broad spectrum of minorities, I really find that um, um, the, 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 the boys or guys that I deal with, I find that, that they, 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 they come across as so confident even when, they, when in terms of competence, the girls are really more competent. So you will find that a girl can be more competent, but she's not confident at all. But a boy, you will find that he doesn't even know half of what the girl knows. And he's, he comes across as really so confident, you know, that it, it it makes you sit down and reflect. I have a, a son and a daughter. My son is in Stanford. And um, my son came home and said, you know, mom, I'm just going to finish this computer science degree in three years. I mean, he finished high school at 14. And um, I had to make him repeat high school and he had to go back to sophomore and start again because I was like, nobody's going to university until you're 18. And so he did and he went to a different high school and started all over again and became a teacher's assistant. And he, he went to Stanford when he was 18 and he got into Stanford. He was like, this is so easy. I'm going to finish in three years. And I'm like, no, you're going to take a gap here. You're not finishing in three years because I because you have such a brilliant brain. I need uh, I need you to develop socially and emotionally. I have to kind of slow him down. Mm -hmm. So he comes across as really, really confident. But my daughter, she is so brilliant and so smart. And oh my God, she her level of confidence is, you know, I have to always pump her up, always talk to her. And I find that with a lot of the youth, the, the females that I mentor and coach, I find that, that what I see in my daughter, I see it in other girls who are really, because I'm focused on tech professionals, future tech professionals, and I find that, that their level of confidence, so I really think there's something about brain chemicals, the female, the, the hormones that we secrete. Actually, I'm, I'm doing a brain certification just because of my curiosity about this. So I'm, I'm back in yes, school doing, yeah. uh, doing a degree. I find that girls are not as... Um, confident as um, they need to be you need to invest in them for them to get to that place where they really believe that their competence I is able to open yeah. doors for them yeah so I would that's agree me. And, that, and that starts early on by the way and and by the way this is a topic that we could do a whole a whole hour on this still comes up in boardrooms when i'm working with executive women and in fact one woman just recently told me that her husband was offered a new position out of the country and, and she said to her husband, you've never done that work before. He said, no, I know, but I'll learn. And, and whereas she would have not taken the position because she didn't feel qualified to take it. And so that's kind of ingrained. And there are many studies, and I've read many of them, and we worked in this area. 
so many times with executive women, especially when they're being promoted up the corporate ladder. Um, CFO made CEO. Uh, recently, we worked with the CFO in transformational leadership uh, who, was, who was made CEO, but it wasn't working. And it wasn't working because not that she didn't have the skills to be a CEO, she didn't have the attitude about being the CEO. And so that's when I was brought in because she was in place for a year and it wasn't working. I was brought in by the chairman of the board and by the CEO or the um, uh, public relations agency. And they said, you need to make, make her a CEO. Well, what it was, she just wasn't used to talking to. She didn't know how to talk to a, a board that had been in place for a long time. Almost all male, I will say, and I, I love men, so let's just put that aside. I have a husband. Uh, but there was an almost all-male board who had been on the board for a long time and really felt that they were running things. And, and she had to, to learn. We had to teach her how to talk to analysts and how to talk to the media and how to dress the part of a CEO and to, to be able to have a commanding presence at these board meetings. And, but it, it's a long, ongoing topic. But I do think that you're onto something, that the more that we can start this early on, and as I said, Oprah persevered. She had that early on that she could. Lucille Ball, <clears throat> excuse me, I could go on and on. There's, there's lists of people. Uh, but I will say this. In church one Sunday, and you may have heard this story because I'm sure that it wasn't our church was not the only church that ever said this story. But our minister talked one time about a, an eight-year-old girl, and, and the Sunday school teacher had said, I want everyone to draw a picture of God. And they said, but no one knows what God looks like. And she said, you're right. And then this little girl, eight years old, she said, wait a minute. She said, I just drew a picture of God. So now the world will know what he looks like. Now that's confidence early on. So it's, it, it is something that I don't know what is the root of it yet. And there's been many studies about it. But there are many women who are extremely not only competent, but confident. And there's a difference, by the way, between confidence and arrogance, everyone. And, and But I do know that a man will say yes, whereas a woman will second guess. And there's a lot that we could talk about about that, and, and it could go on and on. But I think the earlier that you give the girls the opportunity to make decisions, choices, let them learn from their mistakes, and build them up with positive lessons and positive examples of you as a role model, which it sounds like you are, Winifred, a role model to see what can be done in their world and where confidence can take them. Um, unless anyone else says anything about confidence, I want to move I on. I love this, Jude, and it's Barb, and I am out of the storms. <laughs> oh, great. Welcome back. Yeah, and I hope, can you guys hear me well now? Are we Perfect. good? Okay, good. So I love jumping in because I just had a great conversation this morning with somebody that I worked with when I was doing direct door-to-door -door sales. And we, we found each other again here on Clubhouse, so it's great to reconnect. And the fun, he goes, Barbara, I want to tell you how I remember you, how I met you 20 years ago. And we're talking he, 2001, he said, he met us. that's 20 years ago. Oh, my God, where does the time go? And he said to me something very interesting. He goes, I remember being a little intimidated to come talk to you because you had so much confidence. And um, he told me this, and I found this really funny and entertaining. He said, it was such a male-dominated industry, but you walked in any room completely, you know, completely confident. And this is in my 20s. 
And I want to share this for this number one reason. I told him, um, and I'm kind of echoing with you, Jude, there. I'm just going to. Um, so what I had said to him is that I find it really funny that um, he recognized that I was in a very male-dominated industry because I never saw it as a male-dominated industry. Yes, there were a lot more men than women. But being that I was raised in a home where I have three brothers, I'm one of four kids, my parents just didn't have the bandwidth to treat me like one, you know, like, oh, there's the girl and there's the boy. They just treated us all the same. And because of it, I never walked into a room like, oh, I was a, a woman and I have to prove myself and I have to, you know, I have to show that everyone, I deserve a seat at the table. I never felt that way. I never had that intentionality. So I never walked into a room like, oh, I'm a woman. I hope that people, you know, accept me here. My, I was raised that, if you could play ball, you're going to get the jersey. If you can run the plays, and this is all a metaphor, if you can run the plays and do what needs to be done, here's your jersey, go ahead and take it. Didn't matter if you were a man, woman, or a frog. What people care about is that you can do the job. It is only the narrative in our head that tells us that, well, you know, I have to prove myself because I am X, Y, and Z. So I've never walked into an environment like, oh, I hope everybody, you know, I hope people don't discredit me. I don't care what people think about me. I really don't. Like, I don't, if, because the truth is, Jude, we are all going to be prejudged, whether we're a man, woman, or a frog, it doesn't matter. We are all going to be prejudged. And guess what? We are all prejudging each other based on the optics that have been exposed to us. But nobody, it does not matter. What matters is that when you get the jersey, you get the mic, you get whatever, you know, you get that title, you get that job, you get that role, is that when you get that job, you get that role, you can take the ball and you you can run with it and you can get the job done. So, you know, he said that to me about being in a male dominated um, industry. And I remember thinking like, I don't care if it was a female dominated industry. I don't care what kind of industry it is. I'm there to wear the Jersey, run the plays and kill it over and over and over again. And I, you know, I also shared them. I was like, I just, I, I don't know. I never, I would never give off the impression that, I don't know, I just never felt like I was a woman in business. I get asked that so much. And it, I guess it's just, he said I was so confident, but I just felt like when I put the jersey on and this is a sale. So listen, I wasn't running football plays. I am a, a little little Jewish girl. I, I, I don't do, I don't play football, but it is all a metaphor about exactly. confidence, right? <laughs> it's so clear, Barb, because you, you are so confident but at the same time if someone says to you that they are intimidated by your confidence there's a huge difference as i said just a minute ago between arrogance and confidence mm -hmm. and, and confident is the belief in yourself i think arrogance is more of a sign of insecurity by the way p.s and so and i do feel that if someone's intimidated by your confidence then that is a reflection of them and how they think about themselves and not you or anyone else. Agreed. And I, mm -hmm. and I do say one thing that I would encourage everyone who has a, a daughter, uh, because of Renefred's question about, about women and confidence, is that, you know, I was thinking the other day about, about as an, as an eight-year-old, I decided that I, I, what I wanted, I wanted a camera. I wanted to have a camera. And I saw an ad in, in one of my parents' magazines that said, you could order some flower seeds and, and, and if you get enough flower seeds sold, you could get a camera. And I thought, wow, I'm going to do that. 
and I was only eight, but now remember, I lived in a small town. So I told my mother, I really want these seeds and I'm going to sell and I'm going to get a camera and I'm going to ask my friends. She's, well, who are you going to sell to? And I said, my neighbors and my friends. And so my mother said, okay. So she ordered this bundle of seeds for me and I sold those seeds and I got a camera. And I was thinking about that when I was writing this, you know, thinking about um, when I first wrote the speech about confidence and critics and the journey to celebrity. And I thought, I think that sales for everybody, by the way, is a really good place to start. And I would certainly encourage uh, girls as much as as much as uh, anyone, because you get okay. used to talking to people and you get used to being in front of people and in strangers. And with that, I want to move into uh, Barb. Thank you. I want to move into the celebrity because celebrity comes from Latin celebritas celebrating. You may not want to be a celebrity to the world. But why not be a celebrity in your world? Why not be that person that you are known for, that you are known as being the best, the best CEO? You are known as being the best speaking coach. You are be known as being the best entrepreneurial coach. Uh, you are being best at making the numbers come in, making the sales, the, the business development, the product development, that you are the best. Why not become a celebrity in your world? And you do that by becoming expert at what you do, by believing in what you do, by getting over the obstacles that we talked about today, the, the critics, the, the not having the confidence. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, his mother was one of his early critics. Was, you know, she dismissed his little screenwriting thing, and that was going to be over. And he talks about this openly. This is in the behind-the-scenes story. And, and how she cr criticized him. But going back to that desire, if you're on fire with desire, you will overcome the obstacles. Now, he not only won Oscars, Academy Awards, for his screenwriting, he also won for Pulp Fiction, Best Director for the most recent film, Once It's Pot of Time in Hollywood. Writing is his first love, and he believed in himself, even when his mother, according to the stories that it's been in the in the newspapers i think even cbs sunday morning news did a story on it she wasn't one of his fans for his writing but he didn't listen so listening to yourself and you've heard this before self-talk the most important talk but celebrate wins i i really encourage all of us to celebrate every win anything that we're fearful of, fearful of the first time that wind that we can that we've done it and we have that behind us. No one takes that away from you because you've done it. And, and that builds on confidence, that builds on eliminating those voices of critics. It builds on the celebrity of who and what you are and want to become. Celebrate yourself, celebrate your accomplishments. And when people compliment you, and I know you've heard this, I've even heard this on the app, Pay attention to those compliments because that is the effect that you are having on people. And so it's not just like, oh, that was a great speech. But if they tell you why it was a great speech, then you know what you've accomplished. And that builds on your strength. It builds on you getting your reputation. It builds on your sought after uh, and, and your celebrity. And, and I'd love to hear any of us on this stage in the, in the time that we have yes before we do a reset, if anyone would like to comment on, on celebrity in your world. A celebrity is not just for people who are world famous. Anyone want to make a comment or question? Mm, hey, Jude, it's Princeton here. How are you, love? Oh, great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing phenomenal. Always enjoying your segment as usual. You know, I love 
this topic right now. Well, I've loved everything that you said, but specifically this topic, because I think oftentimes when we see quote unquote celebrities, we put them on a pedestal of achieving greatness, you know, and I always have people ask me like, you know, working around people that I've worked with, like Tony Robbins and others, you know, how was it? How was it? And I always tell them, for me, when I see other people, I always say we're spirits on a journey having different human experiences. Those are just humans or spirits having a different human experience because they took certain action because they believed that it was possible. And as a result of believing that it was possible, they took tangible actions, strategic actions, and those got them to where they are. I don't see them as being different from me. And I think that's a place that we have to come from when we are in our own lives and we're looking at these people. Stop idolizing people. There's nothing wrong with respecting the great work and the, the, the resources and the doors that they have opened for those who have come behind them. But understand that you were put here to create something special as well, you know? So I think you are a celebrity in your world, you know? And I always say, leave a legacy daily, impact lives daily, show people that you love them daily, and you are somebody's celebrity. I guarantee you, you impact somebody's life who's struggling or who needs to gain some level of information that's gonna take their life to the next level. And to them, you will be like a celebrity. You know, because you will help them move from point A to point B and the impact that you have will be so significant that it will be incomparable. You know, and so thank that's you. why go ahead, Jude. No, I was just gonna say thank you. Well said. Well said. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> well, thank you. I really agree. I was just agreeing with you. Anyone else make a wanna make a comment on this before we move? Yeah, Jude, if I can, this is Dr. Connor. Yeah. I mean it's oh, funny. Hi. Hey, how are you? Um, great listening, by the way. Fantastic. I mean, thank you. When I hear of uh, somebody that uh, has met the great Elvis Presley, I always listen up pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. I mean, I wish I'd been older. So I'll leave it there. <laughs> okay. no, you, you got me all. You got me all shook. That's all I can say. Oh well, listen. We, we, no pun intended. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it just it just took me what Princeton was saying there with regard to you know the celebrity and be a celebrity in your own world. And it's funny, I think one of the things, and this is a slightly different conversation, but at the same time, I think as time goes by, the wording, and you mentioned wording before that, and the words you used towards yourselves in that, with regard to confidence, just before you were talking about Elvis Presley. But I just thought it was interesting how the word celebrity, like to anybody under a certain age now, celebrity is the word, it's the go-to word. But it struck me that initially it was like the term was role model. If you can be a role model to people in their world, and uh, the people around you that you can really, really help them. So isn't it interesting how the, the language has kind of changed or updated? Because I know when I was a child, celebrity was just, it was just an out there word. word. It wasn't as regularly used. You know, being famous was one thing, but celebrity just wasn't a thing that we ever really used, to be quite honest. So it's interesting how the language has changed all around that as well. Yes, it has. And speaking of young people, as we were earlier, uh, one of an actor I had interviewed, and and she was saying in a in 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 a confidential conversation, and maybe she's talked about it since publicly, I don't know, but she said that her daughter uh, was with her in the car, and she drove into, she drove into one of the lots, uh, one of the movie studio lots, Warner Brothers or Paramount or one of the movie studios out here, 20th Century, whatever, and and everyone was talking to her, the guard gate calling her mother by first name. And hello, Miss, or, and last name, hello, Miss, so-and-so, and hello, and and smiling and waving at her. And her her daughter said, mother, she said, that's what I want to be. And daughter's about 13, 14. She said, that's what I want to be. And she said, what? 
She said, you want to be an actress? She said, no, I just want to be famous. And I want people to, to think of me as a celebrity. And so it was kind of interesting. She didn't have a, a, a desire to act. or She didn't know what she was going to do, but she wanted celebrity to your point. Uh, so I think the world has changed. And at the same time, the world today is it's so open to us. We have something like Clubhouse. We have the Breakfast with Champions that we're listening to each other. We're learning from each other. We get nuggets from each other. And, and you know, I didn't coin this phrase. It came from a psychologist friend of my husband's and mine. And I don't know who first said it. Maybe he didn't either. But, but life is a work in progress. He said we are all a work in progress. And which is why I say that confidence is not where you arrive. It's the journey of confidence that takes us where we want to go, how we want to be celebrated, how we want to celebrate ourselves and our lives. And I'm going to wrap this up, and I, and I think Alexander will take us home. And, but I, I want to leave you with this one thought from Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan, I, I, I've studied him, too, and I've read books about him. Relentless is one of the books that I really like ever. Everybody, you can DM me, by the way, for any speaking skills, entrepreneur skills, book a 15-minute spot with me if you'd like on my calendar. Uh, anything you want to talk about that I can be helpful to you, uh, please schedule that. Go to my DM. Uh, do that. I'm so happy to do so. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.